0: in apex north carolina stay tuned at the end of the program we will give you information on how to contact us so be sure to have a pen and paper ready today pastor rodney will be teaching from the book of exodus chapter 20 So grab your bibles and follow along now with today's teaching here's pastor rodney
1: i have a friend of mine who he said something from the pulpit that some Wacko didn't like, and he came down from the pulpit, hey, can, can we talk over here? I'd like to talk to you about a few things. Can we talk over here? And uh, I didn't like what you said, and literally beat the pastor up. And that ain't going to happen here. I'm just. <laughs> can I get amen? amen? We ain't going to have none of that now. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's crazy. I mean, here's my point. That we live in a violent, violent, murderous society. And of course, who can ever forget? Does this date ring a bell? Ding, ding, ding. January 22nd, 1973. Ring a bell. Roe versus Wade Supreme Court ruling legalized abortion. And get this, 37 million babies have been killed. The American Family Association Journal refers to the abortion in our country As the American Holocaust, 37 million babies, that's six times greater than the 6 million Jews who have been murdered by Hitler. 37 million names, aborted babies, could fill the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Wall 700 times. During a 25 year period, one child was aborted for every, for approximately every three babies. We live in a murderous, murderous, violent, violent society. It is common to hear of someone's murder now. Do you remember the day when it used to be shocking? Somebody got murdered? (gasps) That's awful. I mean, I remember, look, I've been in North Carolina for 11 years. And I remember when I first came here, everything was nice <laughs> and peaceful. And I loved it. And I hardly ever, you really didn't hear about that much killing and that much murder. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all just look at me like I'm crazy. And I, and, you know, I, I didn't hear that much about it. And now it, it's, it's getting pretty common. Way out in the boonies somewhere, somebody in, in towns where hardly anybody lives.
0: <laughs>
1: and it's like, what is going on? People walking in the homes and raping and killing men, women, and children. People stopping at the gas station and getting shot in the head. I mean, this is here in North Carolina. It is very common nowadays. We live in a murderous violent society. The United States, listen, things may cost more, but life is cheap. And that's true. The United States is soaked in blood, all because why? Because we have rejected the commandment, thou shalt not kill. Listen, God, are you listening? God places high value on life. Amen. It is Satan who devalues life. It is Satan's strategy to kill. Jesus said, don't you remember when Jesus said, Satan has come to rob and kill and destroy. That's Satan's strategy. The first suicide, or pardon me, the first homicide found in Genesis is found in Genesis where Cain killed his brother Abel. Don't you remember that? But prior to that, there was a killing, if you will, Remember, Satan came to Eve in the form of a serpent. He he deceived Eve, and, 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 and it brought death to the entire human race. You know the story. And so Satan's strategy is death. On the other hand, God's strategy is life. God is the author and the creator of life. God is for life, not for killing. God is for life. And there's a penalty for all who would murder. Genesis chapter 9 verse 6 says this. Whoever sheds a man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. Did you get that? God says the punishment for taking a man's life is capital punishment. That's what that says. You see, the reason for the penalty for murder and the reason why it's so severe is because man, did you know this? Man is made in the image of God. Amen. That's why the penalty is so severe. Because man is made in the image of God. Man has God's image stamped on him. Do you realize that man is at the top of God's creation? Amen. Man is the greatest thing that God created man is the only thing are you listening that is made in the image of God man made in the image of God now when the Bible talks about the image of God the Bible's not talking about a face and a nose and a mouth because God doesn't have a face a nose a mouth God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in what spirit and in truth So God doesn't have eyes or nose or mouth. The image of God, listen, speaks of our spiritual being is shaped like God. God has a mind. Some of us have a mind. God has a will. We have a will. Oh, you know. God has emotions, we have emotions. That's why, listen, we're made in the image of God. That's why you will never see a depressed cow. <laughs> <laughs> they don't put cows on Prozac. Not to my knowledge. There's no depressed cows. Why? Because they don't have the same makeup. Cows are not made in the image of God. Man is made in the image of God. Amen, saints? Amen. And human life is sacred to God. Every human being, every man, woman, child, boy, and girl, unborn babies are precious in his sight. Unborn babies. It was R. Kent Hughes who said this. The sixth commandment, you shall not murder, is a profound word of grace because it is a call to be a great lover of all humanity from conception to the grave. That is so true. God loves all people. God loves the unborn as well. So question, are there any murderers here tonight? Wow, awkward silence, huh? Listen, I asked that question because I want to make a point. Listen, there are probably no murderers here tonight in the sense of you pull the trigger or you stab someone, you used a knife in some way, but listen, do you realize that it is possible for a law-abiding citizen to be guilty of murder? Do you realize that it is possible if you've never even been in a fist fight, you can be guilty of murder? What do you mean, Rodney? Take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Turn quickly, the gospel of Matthew chapter 5. You've never been in a fist fight, and yet the Bible says you can be guilty, and probably are, guilty of murder. Look at Matthew chapter 5, and we'll pick up a couple verses here. Look at verse uh, 20, and you won't need to turn back to Exodus. We'll conclude in this area. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 20. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the right, exceeds, that's the operative word exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. For Jesus goes on and say, you have heard that it was said to those of old, what saints? You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say, Jesus said to you, that whoever is even, what? Angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, idiot, Raka, shall be in danger. And you see that word danger? It's actually the word anger with a D. Isn't that interesting? Whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. For whosoever says, you fool, fool, idiot, Raka, same word, you fool, shall be in danger of the council. Of hell's fire. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice Jesus said, "Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of God." Well, when they heard that, their minds were blown. This is a mind blower because the scribes and the Pharisees. Are you listening? The scribes and the Pharisees outwardly were more righteous than anyone. This would be like saying, "Unless your good deeds exceed." that of Mother Teresa, your deeds can't exceed that of Mother Teresa. Unless your good deeds exceed that of Billy Graham, no one could exceed that kind of good deeds and righteousness. And if anybody tried, they failed. Jesus said, the Pharisees and the scribes' righteousness, your righteousness would need to exceed theirs. And they outwardly were the most righteous people on the planet. So Jesus says, your righteousness must be greater than theirs. See, the Pharisees, they prided themselves on the fact that they had not committed murder and that they were not guilty. But in our text, listen, Jesus says, hold on. If you're even angry without a cause, you've committed murder. Jesus is saying anger is a form of murder. Now, it says anger without a cause or unrighteous anger people listen someone cutting you off on the belt line is not righteous anger if you knew that say amen Amen. that is not righteous anger you know it was a little boy who asked his mommy he said mommy why is it whenever daddy drives all the idiots come out (laughs) Jesus you know listen Jesus had righteous anger toward religious people. You search the scriptures, read your Bible. Jesus never came down on people who knew they were sinners. I think of the woman caught in the act of adultery and they brought her to Jesus, threw her her at Jesus' feet. What are you going to do with her? She's a sinner. We caught her in the act of adultery. How do you do that? But okay, fine. They caught her in the act. What are you going to do with her? And Jesus leaned down and started writing something we don't know. And each one started walking off. Jesus never condemned people who knew they were sinners, who were humble before him. Jesus came down heavy and hard on religious people. Search the scriptures. Whenever Jesus was angry, it was always others centered. Jesus wasn't angry when people hurt his feelings. Jesus got angry when people hurt others. Anger is righteous when your anger is concerned about others. It is right. It's good. It's godly to get angry at murderers. It's right to get angry at child molesters or people who hurt other people. You can kill someone by killing them with your words. By killing them with anger. That's Jesus' point, because Jesus is trying to get to the heart of the matter. The Pharisees would stand back and say, Well, I've never killed anybody. I never pulled a trigger. I never stabbed anybody or hit anybody over the head or killed anybody. And Jesus says, No, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. I'm just trying to get to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is it doesn't matter if you shot somebody or hit them over the head or killed someone physically. What matters is that if you're angry with someone, you can kill them with your words. That's why we have to be careful with our words. That's why we can't be people who gossip about other people and talk about other people. I don't like it and I don't tolerate it. Not in my home, not around my friends. If I hear it going that direction, I always steer it in a different direction. No. Not only that, but I'm not the trash can. Don't pour that junk into me. I got to do ministry at a pure heart. I don't need all that. That's just a side note. I'm back. (laughs) But you can kill people with your words, and that's what Jesus is getting to. That's the heart of the matter. You know, a study was done, and it showed, listen to this, that a lot more people would commit murder if they thought they could get away with it. Isn't that interesting? The question is not so much what did you do, but what did you want to do? The issue isn't the act, it's the heart. Ruth Graham, you know Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife. And uh, she was once asked if she had ever considered divorcing her husband. Well, with a twinkle in her eye, she responded, murder him? Yes. Divorce him? No. (laughs) I like that. You know, some people would physically murder someone. But if you have hatred in your heart and you wish they were dead, that's the same as murder. You understand so far? Very important. Now, here's a little glimmer of hope. Numbers, listen, 35. I want you to read this in your own time. Numbers chapter 35, verse 15 and 16. Listen at this. There are cities. Are you listening? Look at me. Give me your attention. There are cities known as cities of refuge, cities of refuge. In Numbers 35, there are six cities in that chapter known as cities of refuge. Listen, if someone murdered someone accidentally, they could flee to the city of refuge and be safe from revenge. If you were walking along with your friend and just kind of talking and joking or whatever, and you slapped him on the shoulder or just slapped him really hard or whatever, he tripped, fell, hit his head on a rock and died. (laughs) That would be not a good thing. But if that did happen, that is an accidental death. Listen, you could or you should run home, pack your bags and flee to the city of refuge because that's what these cities were established for. And if you got into the city, Before one of the family members caught you, then you were safe. And the family member could not legally come into the city and drag you out of the city. A city of refuge. Now, if a man left the city of refuge, are you listening? Then the avenger of blood or the nearest of kin family member could come and kill that man without being punished. 2 Samuel, listen, chapter... Three. There is a man in chapter 3 of 2 Samuel, his name is Abner. Abner killed Ashiel. Ashehel, the Bible tells us, was a fast runner. As a matter of fact, his name means fleet of foot. Fleet of foot, like in gazelle. So the story goes, Ashiel is running after Abner, Abner is running. He turns around in the story. He says, hey, why don't you stop chasing me? Why don't you chase somebody your own age? Basically, is what he says. And so Ashahel continued to chase Abner. Abner stopped and turned and ran a knife into his stomach. And Abner then ran into the city of refuge in Hebron. And so Joab, one of David's men, went to Hebron. And he stood at the gate of the city of refuge, and he called in for Abner to come out because he couldn't go in the city and get him. So Joab, one of David's men, he took a knife, and he stabbed Abner in the stomach. And as long as Abner was in that city, Joab had no right to touch him. Then the Bible says, listen, this is going somewhere. Then the Bible in 2 Samuel chapter 3 tells us that Abner died a fool. Why did Abner die a fool? Because, listen, simple as this, he didn't stay in the city of refuge. And he died a fool. And so we think, let's fast forward to the New Testament. We discover, we learn that Jesus is our city of refuge. Amen, saints? And listen, here's the application As long as we stay in Jesus, we are safe. When we get outside of Jesus, we are no longer safe. That's why we've got to stay close to the Lord and stay in Christ. And don't let anybody, anybody tell you, cause you, draw you. Don't let any Joab draw you out of the city of refuge. Well, now, you know, you can, you can party just a little bit. I mean, hey, one drink's not going to hurt you. Come on. Come on out of the city of refuge. Oh, you Christians are boring people. I mean, can't you have a little fun? Live a little. Come on out of the city of refuge. Hey, well, I'm saving myself for my husband, or I'm saving myself for my wife, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to have sex before. I, yeah, well, now, come on. Everybody's doing it. I mean the whole world, I mean people are living together. You're different, you're, you're, that's not right. Come out of the city of refuge. Well let's go out after work and party a little bit. Go to happy hour, which I don't know why they call it happy hour. Nobody's ever happy and it certainly doesn't last an hour. Come on, go to happy hour. We gonna have a few drinks and yeah, yuck it up with the boys. I mean, you know, if you're gonna make a promotion in this company, you're gonna have to come out of the all that Christian stuff. You know, don't listen to that. That's Satan trying to draw you out of the city of refuge. Going to church on Wednesday night. Why would you do that? Come out and party with us, man. Why are you going to church on Wednesday night? Listen, stay in the city of refuge. Don't listen to the voices that are saying, come out. Because if you do, it could cost you your life. That's what we learned from Second Samuel. Y'all still awake, say amen. amen. You understand? Amen. Don't come out of the city of refuge. You stay in the city of refuge. You stay in Christ. No matter what the world tries to tell you, how boring you are, listen, being a Christian is the best thing I ever did for myself, giving my life to Christ. What about for you? Amen? Amen. Come out of the city of refuge for what? Do what? Get in trouble? Get killed? Get pregnant? Drink a few? Drive home? Get a DUI? Maybe hit somebody? Kill them? This is the kind of stuff that happens. This stuff really happens. Stay in the city of refuge. Stay in Christ. He is our refuge. There's safety in him, there's peace in him, there's calmness in him, there's protection from the storms of life in him. Stay in the city of refuge. Be forgiving. Be loving. Don't be angry. Don't don't, don't find yourself in a place where, you know, you're murdering people with your tongue. Thou shalt not murder. Let us not be guilty of murder. Use your mouth. Use your tongue to praise God and to bless God and to bless other people. Don't be a bummer. Be a person of encouraging. You know, as I close, I think of Dina. And she was like that. She encouraged people. I'd come out of the pulpit, she'd smile from ear to ear. That girl had a smile, didn't she? She did. And she'd smile from ear to ear. Pastor Rodney, I love it, that was great. That was a great sermon, that was just great. She always encouraged people. And that's what we all ought to be. People use our mouths not to murder other people but to give life. You know, life and death really is in the power of the tongue. It really is. Not like the world teaches. You know, you can speak a pink polka dot of Cadillac if you want one. Speak in existence a big house. Speak the healing and speak faith. And don't misunderstand me. God wants to bless his people. But we're not to use our tongues and think that if we just say the right words, abracadabra, your nice things are going to show up.